Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. On this high holy day of Good Friday, there is no lack of things to talk about. There is no, I guess, poverty of, of what happened to Jesus that we can just kind of brush over. There are so many things to say and so many things in which the scriptures testify to about what Christ has done for us that when we gather here today and we hear about the passion of our Lord, the suffering and the death and the burial of Jesus Christ, there may be many things going through our minds at this time. And some of those things might be sorrow. For, the, for some of us, they might be joy and gladness. And some might say that's very strange on a day like today. But this is not a day where we mourn a death only. Today is a day that we give thanks to God that what needed to be done was done. That it wasn't by man's will, but by God's will, that all had been accomplished. There are so many things that even the Apostle John says <laughs> that uh, he who saw it has borne, has borne witness. His testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth that you also may believe. For these things took place that the scripture might be fulfilled, right? All these things had taken place so that the promise that God had made from the very beginning could be fulfilled. The cross of Jesus Christ is the culmination of all world history. It doesn't matter what the history books have to say about that. It doesn't matter if they change the rendering of our years to the common era. It's amazing what happened to make it the common era if it wasn't for Jesus Christ. So in this time, we know as Christians who know the truth, we are not like Pilate who has to say, what is truth? We know that he is truth. He is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. That the culmination of history in the crucifixion is not random. It is not happenstance. Things did not just kind of come together in a coincidental way. God made sure that all of the things that you know about in Scripture that testify to Jesus Christ, which is all of Scripture, by the way, all of these things were for a purpose and for a plan that one day the seed of the woman would crush the serpent's head. And we know that all of these things worked for the end, that in the end, Jesus would have to die. There are so many, I, I won't take up too much time in naming them all, but to dive into all of the things that have happened in the scriptures, all of the poetic justice that takes place, it's just staggering. 
But if we brush over them, they may seem like they're not all that important. But all the seemingly insignificant aspects surrounding the crucifixion testify to the beautiful and poetic working of God. It's no coincidence that Jesus, who has been named by John the Baptist as the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, died at the preparation of Passover. When thousands of Passover lambs were being slaughtered for that special feast, and yet he being that one special lamb to be sacrificed for the whole world. That wasn't a coincidence. It wasn't a coincidence that water and blood poured out from Christ's side. We know this, that recently it's been scientifically proven that that actually happens in death, especially a death like Jesus's. And we may just say, well, that's kind of a neat little scientific reality of what happened. But if you know scripture and you know more of John's letters, the water and the blood are very important. It wasn't a coincidence that water that signifies and points towards baptism poured out from the side of Christ and blood that which Christ said, if you do not eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. This wasn't a coincidence. The water and the blood from Christ's side is the very church, the very bride of Christ pouring out of the side of the new Adam. I get chills every time I say that. That in the beginning, when man fell into sin, before that, man knew that it wasn't good to be alone. And God brought forth his wife from his side. And now this new man, the sinless man, Jesus Christ, his bride, his church, pours forth from his side as he sleeps, just like Adam. That is not a coincidence. It is not a coincidence that the temple curtain was torn in two from top to bottom. We did not hear that tonight, but you know the story. You know the account and if I can add a little bit to it to just tell you exactly how significant this was. The temple curtain was not only just a simple curtain hung up. It was several stories tall and torn from the top to the bottom, not bottom to top. And even more than that, it's been documented that in this second temple, as part of the decorations of God's house, on that temple curtain that would separate the court from the Holy of Holies, on that curtain was woven the very stars of heaven. That on that veil were the heavens itself, shown for all to see that beyond here is the God of the heavens and the earth. And in that moment, for that temple curtain to be torn in two from top to bottom meant the very cosmos was itself was rended apart and torn in two because the one who had brought it into creation had died. 
Not only that. Not only that. But beyond the beyond that veil, what was supposed to be there? And the Holy of Holies was supposed to be the Ark of the Covenant. The place where the glory of God was dwelling. And you can see, if you know your Bible history, that the glory of God had departed long, a long time ago when his people were in the exile of Babylon. That the prophet Ezekiel saw the glory depart and it was gone. And there is nothing in Scripture that says that it ever came back to that place. So when that temple curtain was torn in two from top to bottom, God himself was revealing to everybody in this place, the Ark of the Covenant no longer stands. The true Ark of the Covenant is hanging on a cross outside of the gates of Jerusalem. The glory of God is out there, and it's no longer in there. This is not a coincidence. God has done all these things, and many more. As uh, St. John says, that if, we, if he were to write down all of the wonders that Christ had done, it would fill all the books of the earth. There could be no end of it. But God has foreordained his promises and how they are brought to completion, how they are perfected, how they are finished, as Christ has said. He has done all these things. In the fullness of time, he makes everything happen exactly how it is supposed to be. So what do we learn from all of this. These are not just neat little factoids that you can take to your trivia games or use with your friends at parties or just in common conversation. These things are for you to hold in your hearts, to ponder diligently, to meditate upon, to chew, and to hold on tightly to, to keep, for as Christ says, Blessed is he who hears the word of God and keeps it. That when you hear these things, you know that if God can take care of all of that to ensure that the Son of God would be crucified at the proper time, in the right way, and everything would be fulfilled as he has said, that he can also take care of you. He also can take care of your life and he can rule and shape that life as it needs to be. He is trustworthy. He is faithful. He is sure. And some of you may be thinking, well, my life is nothing in comparison to Jesus' life. My life and the circumstances of it pale in comparison and why would God want to bother with me? Sometimes I hear people say, God's just probably tired of hearing my complaints and my piddly little problems. Brothers and sisters in Christ, he is your heavenly father. He does not tire of you. 
He does not grow weary of you and all that you need to sustain your body and life. He does not grow tired of hearing about the small things. In fact, he loves you so much and in such a way that he sent his only begotten son to die for you so that your life would not be insignificant, but that your life would have true and lasting meaning. That the great event, the crux of history of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, means that whatever cross you are bearing, whatever hardship you are facing, whatever pain you are suffering, it is not in vain. It is given true meaning. And the cross that you carry is made glorious because of the cross, because of the cross that was carried for you by Christ. That paradoxically, the exaltation of Jesus Christ is upon the cross. That even from the Old Testament we hear that the servant of the Lord that he will send is the one that will be exalted. And that Jesus himself says that when the Son of Man is lifted up, he will draw all men to himself. When he was lifted up on the cross, he draws you. He draws me. He draws us all to himself so that in that death, we would have life and life eternal. So that when we hear of the brutality that he faced, when we hear of the death that he suffered, of shame and scorn, knowing that our insignificant life pales in comparison to that, we are right. And yet, thanks be to God that he saw fit to do all that for us. Thanks be to God that in the poetic justice, we are the ones who have been saved. We are the ones who will not face death, not eternally. We are the ones who get everything that has, that has, that has been promised. And all of this is marvelous and according to God's good and perfect will. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.